This series is going to be a lot more practical, a lot more teaching. And the reason we're doing this series is because I've had a lot of conversations with, with many of you. And I know there's areas of your lives that maybe you're struggling with, uh, especially when it comes to your Christian life and this journey of faith that we're on. So we're going to start this series called Show Me. Now, about, about eight years ago, we, my wife and myself, we moved from, uh, to Maryland from a state called Missouri. Some call it called Missouri, but uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was an interesting experience. I lived there for 18 months, and they didn't get me, I didn't get them, and so we moved to Maryland. Um, but in Maryland, um, sorry, in, in uh, Missouri, they are called the Show Me State. Um, and so that's like the title, Missouri, the Show Me State. And the reason they're called the Show Me State is because I don't think they believe what you say. And so they're like, show me, show me what, what it is. You know, if you, if you come up with like a fact, say like, I caught this fish and it was like this big. And they're like, well, show me, show me where it is. And so they're, they're kind of people and who, who like to actually see evidence and like to be shown. And that's like a lot of us when it comes to life. We can read books, we can hear lectures, we can uh, see other people uh, uh, talk about stuff, but we never really catch on unless somebody shows us and shows us how to do something. Now, I am a Googler. So I don't know about you, but I'm a Googler. And what that means is that if I don't understand something or if I want a little bit more information, I Google it. So a good example, um, on uh, uh, April 3rd, my wife's water broke. And so first thing I did, I Googled. Did her waters really break, you know, or did she just wet herself, you know? I mean, that's what, that's, that's what I did. So, like, I'm Googling, so I'm like, there 30 minutes, I'm like, well, maybe your waters did break. You know, so I'm a Googler, and, and, and I like to Google stuff to figure it out. But even if you're a Googler, even if you, like, have this creative mind, you can just figure it out yourself. The best way to understand something or to learn how to do something is to learn from an expert. Learn from somebody who knows exactly what to do. So if you're a builder, you don't just go and build a house. You learn from an expert builder, right? If you're a plumber or an electrician, you just don't get up there like with the lights if you're an electrician. Like, well, let's figure this out because you won't be around very long if you try to figure it out. So you learn from an expert electrician. And that is the best way to learn something is to find someone who has been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and learn from them. And this is a very biblical way to actually learn about stuff when it comes to God and this journey uh, that we are on in this Christian faith. See, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, come, follow me, come be my disciples, come basically learn from me and the ways that I do things. There was a guy in the Bible called Paul who had a young apprentice called Timothy. Timothy was being trained as a pastor and in the end he became a very influential pastor. But Paul said to him, he says, Timothy, he says, do as I do. Come and learn from me. And then the apostle Paul tells us in the Bible, he says, be imitators of Christ. Basically, copy what Christ does. And then he says, be doers of the words. So basically, do what the Bible tells you to do. And so this morning, we're going to start this series by looking at a subject that I know many of you, you may struggle with. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to say, show me 
how to pray. Show me how to pray. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And this is what it says. Starting at verse 1, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. So there's Jesus, he's praying, and the disciples are looking at him, and they come, they tap Jesus on the shoulder, and they're like, hey, Jesus, hey, teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to be able to to pray to God like you pray. And then the rest of the, the, the next couple of verses in Luke chapter 11, and we'll read them in a moment, but this is what's happened with these verses. Something what we call religion has taken the next couple of verses and they've kind of skewed what Jesus said. See, Jesus goes on to say something called the Lord's Prayer. And many of you, you know the Lord's Prayer. And when I was at school, we had to recite the Lord's Prayer. And we had to learn it. And when I was in Sunday school, we had to know the Lord's Prayer. And many of you, you can recite or memorize the Lord's Prayer. But this is what religion has done. Religion has taken what Jesus shows them. And what he does, he gives a model prayer. And what we've done is we've made it a way that we think we have to pray. And so what religion has done, it has taken the words of Jesus and it's made it into a saying, a a thing that you recite and we think there is power in reciting what Jesus just said. It's like you, you and me, we go around the dinner table and we'll say grace. And many of us, we've got sayings that we say, you know, like good food, good meat, praise the Lord, let's eat, you know. And like we would say this stuff every time and it became these rituals, these sayings that you said and we think that we were praying. And so at school we would recite the Lord's Prayer when we were kids and we were thinking that was praying to God. And so what religion has done, it's taken this, what we call the Lord's Prayer and it's made it into some secret words that if we say it, then we will connect with God. If we memorize it, then we're a little bit more holy than the person next to us. But in fact, Jesus gave, and we're going to read in a minute, but what we call the Lord's Prayer, he gave it to show us a model or a way to pray so that we can create our own prayers and be able to pray to God ourselves. So the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I find this pretty funny because the disciples were Jewish men. And if you grew up in the Jewish culture, from a young kid, you were taught how to pray. You were taught that prayer was part of life, that everybody knew how to pray. So why are they coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, teach us to pray? Because prayer was part of their culture. But I believe that the disciples, when they looked at Jesus, Jesus had a different way of praying to what they prayed. In fact, they saw Jesus, that Jesus prayed in a different way, in a different place to what they prayed. And actually, Jesus' prayers worked. And they probably thought, our prayers don't work. So they came to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, what's the secret to your prayers? What's the difference between your prayers and our prayers? You see, for the disciples, because they grew up in this Jewish culture, their prayers were confined to certain sayings. 
They would open their scriptures called the Torah and they would pray the Torah. And sometimes they would like rock back and forth. And I don't know how they just didn't get sick, but they would do it for hours and hours. Just reading the Torah as a prayer. They would have certain sayings. Then sometimes they would even sing certain songs and they would even say psalms and that would be their prayers. And then their prayers would, would not be uh, like all over the place, but they would be confined to certain times of the day and certain places. So they would obviously say grace when they came around the dinner table. They didn't call it grace, but they would say, say a prayer of blessing. They would actually pray in the temple. That would be the most part where they would pray to God. See, their prayers were so different to Jesus' prayer because when Jesus came along, he got this Jewish model of prayer and he threw it out the window and he started using this more organic, everyday lifestyle of prayer. Jesus would say different things to what they would say. And Jesus had a totally different approach to prayer. So these disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to pray like you pray. We're not satisfied with the way we pray. We want to pray like you pray. So this is what Jesus said. It's found in Luke chapter 11, starting at verse 2. It says, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And most of us, when we're reading this, we stop here and we think this is the way that we have to pray. And that's what a lot of religious people have done. This is how you pray. But verse 5 says this. Then teaching more about prayer, Jesus used this story. So Jesus didn't finish there. He carried on. And Jesus said this. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I think that's what I would say. I, so don't come to my house at midnight asking for loaves of bread. I can't help you, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for a friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I love that. Shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if, you ask for an e or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Well, I've seen a scorpion, Nicaragua last year, Cody's underwear. There was a scorpion in Cody's underwear. You do not want to get a scorpion, trust me. Jesus says, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So Jesus gives an overriding theme here about what prayer is. And the overriding theme here, Jesus tells his disciples that prayer is about, number one, relationship with God. Two times in this, in this chapter or this, this section of scripture, Jesus relates to prayer and he calls to his Father. He relates to prayer as a relationship with God, who he calls God our Father. And he's basically saying this, that prayer is about asking, it's about seeking, and it's about finding. Asking, seeking, and finding. See, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying prayer isn't about a religious act to appease God. Or a religious act to get what we can from God. Prayer is about this, communication with God. Communication with God. Prayer is the mouthpiece of your relationship with God. See, if we follow the religious way to pray, then prayer is hard. If we just come and we recite some sayings, if we just come and, 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 and we just come at certain times of the day or certain times of the week and we just say certain things to God, then prayer is hard. I'll even go as far to say prayer feels like a chore. Actually, prayer can be pretty boring. If you just come in and just saying, saying after saying, and, and there's some people, they believe that you just come and you say certain sayings and that's prayer to God. And I'll turn around and say, you know what? I think that's pretty boring. Because if you come just talking, just saying sayings to like just the air, then what's that good is going to do in your life at all? And I've heard many of you over the last few months say this. I'm not praying enough. Many of you have said that. I'm not praying enough. I'm finding it hard to pray. I'm not being able to come, spend enough time with God, praying to God. And do you know what really you're saying is this. You're saying that this prayer thing isn't really working for me right now. You're saying that my relationship with God is probably suffering a little bit because I'm not being able to communicate with God as I want to communicate with God. And in any relationship, if there is a lack of communication, then that relationship is going to dwindle. That relationship eventually is going to die. And if you have a lack of prayer in your life, then eventually that relationship with God is going to dwindle and it's going to die. You know, I used to feel guilty when I was younger. I was like in my mid-20s, and I used to think that I had to come to God every day and like be on my knees for an hour, and if I didn't like shed tears, then I wasn't connecting with God. And I used to think, if I'm not on my knees for an hour a day, I felt guilty, and my relationship with God is going to slip, and I'm not praying enough, and God isn't blessing me because I'm not praying enough. And you know what I was doing? I was following relig- a religion. I wasn't following a relationship. Because I don't come to my wife every day and like spend like an hour on my knees before my wife like begging, you know. She may like that, but that isn't going to happen. That's not how relationships are developed. See, relationships are developed by a diverse way of communicating with different people. 
And, and prayer is the word we just use for communication with God. So when Jesus came and he started to pray and the disciples started to see him pray, Jesus blew the practice of prayer out of the window and he started to show these disciples that prayer is a lifestyle of communication. And so this morning, what we're going to do very quickly, I'm just going to, it's not going to be anything profound. It's not, you're not going to walk out of this way where, whoa. Alex, like, said something that just blew my mind. Like, my head is going to explode. We're just going to get very practical this morning, and we're going to get back to basics and see what prayer is. And so the first thing that we're going to look at is how we communicate, how we communicate with God. And the way that we communicate with God is exactly the same, how we communicate with everybody else. You see, God did not create you to communicate with everybody else so that you would communicate with him in a different way. How you communicate with your spouse or your kids or your friends or your family or people at church is the way that we communicate with God. So the first way we do that is through the spoken word. God has given us a a, a mouth to speak out of. And so the first way that we pray is we speak our prayers. We communicate through talking to God. Now, some people, it's easier than others. Like, I I would definitely say that, like, women talk, like, twice as much as guys. Would you agree with that? In my house, it definitely is. So I'm not really much of a talker, even though I get up here on a Sunday morning and talk. I'm really not much of a talker. So some people, you talk a lot, and, and that's great, and that's wonderful. Keep talking away. And some of you talk a lot, and this is easy for you because you communicate best through talking. And that is how we communicate in prayer, through talking. But not just talking, not just through the spoken word as well. We communicate with others through what I call non-verbal communication. Non-verbal communication, also known as body language. The body language. I've been told on many occasions that, Alex, you talk a little too much through your body. You talk through your eyes a little too much in your face. The reason is I find it hard to hide how I'm feeling. You know, so if I'm mad, I'm going to have a mad-looking face. If I'm happy, I have a happy-looking face. You know why? And many of us are like that. We talk through our body language. And, and some of us, when we come to God, we're, we, we may be talking with our mouth, but our body language is basically saying we're not interested. How many times, I, I, I don't know about you, but I've like sat down in prayer, and I like to pray in a dark room. I don't know why, but I just do. It helps me concentrate. But I'll pray, and then after like five minutes, I'm like this. I'm like asleep. And like my body language is showing God I really don't care. And so what I try to do is I try to give positive body language when I'm praying. That's why I like to raise my hands. I like to raise my hands. It's an, it's, it's an act of showing God my body language is saying I surrender unto you. I actually like to kneel, even though I can't kneel very long because like my legs start to hurt. But I like to kneel because it's an act of surrender unto God. And standing there with just your arms raised for 20 minutes to God is just as significant as saying some elaborate prayer. So spoken word is a way to communicate. Nonverbal body language is the way that we communicate with each other. And then the other way that we communicate with each other is through the written word. Through the written word. 
Like, if, if I want to really communicate so, something with someone, uh, I don't talk to them. I like to write to them. So if I really have something that I want to say and I want to communicate in the best way I can, I'll write them a letter. Because I know for me that's the best way I can communicate with them. But some of you, some of you, you're like texters. Like you don't even like talk to people. You'll sit on the couch with someone next to you and you'll text them and talk to them through text. Some of you, you're, you're like Facebook instant message people. And I hate Facebook instant message. Hate it because it messes my phone up and it comes up and I can't get rid of it. But some of you, you love Facebook instant message or you tweet all the time. And that's the best way that you communicate. And I say to you this morning, what if you started texting God? If that's the way that you communicate, what about texting your prayers to God? About four years ago, I discovered just something that changed my whole prayer life, and that was journaling. I started to journal down my prayers. Not all the time. There were certain times of the year that I would just sit down, and each day I would just write my prayer out. And it totally changed the way I prayed because I was now communicating my thoughts to God and what I wanted from God, and I wanted God to give me and what I could give God. And for some of you this morning, all you've thought about prayer is just reciting some sayings, maybe coming for a certain time of the day and just bringing all the problems in life to God. And you've never thought about really speaking to God like you'd speak to someone else. You've never thought about just your body language before God. And you've never even thought about writing to God as well. But the way we communicate with God is exactly the same how we communicate with others. Who said that prayer had to be saying grace or reciting a saying? See, I believe a moment on your knees or a written prayer is just as effective as some long, elaborate prayer. So you may say, okay, Alex, okay, we get it, how we communicate. Well, tell me, what do I say? What do I say in in prayer? And that's, a lot of you, it's the hardest thing. And if you don't know what to communicate with somebody, then your relationship is never going to be any good. When I was single, I got set up on this blind date once. And so I met this girl at this restaurant, and she didn't say anything for like three hours. It was torture. It was painful. I I thought this was my thought. Either she is awestruck with my beauty, or she just thinks this guy's a loser, and I want to get out of it. But she didn't say anything at all, hardly. And so I'd be asking a question. She would give one-word answers. And it was the hardest thing ever. Guess what? We never went on a date again. Because if you want to develop a relationship, you need to communicate. And this is how we communicate. We communicate through deep times of conversation. I had a deep time of conversation with God the day we found out that our third IVF treatment had failed. I had a deep, deep conversation with God. Times of everyday chatter. You just chat about things that with other people, with your friends and your family and your loved ones. Have you thought about just the everyday chatter with God? Like maybe one day you're in the car and you're like, hey God, you know, what do you think about the weather today? See, that's the way that we communicate with each other. And God wants that communication. Not everything has to be profound. Not everything has to be a request to God. Some things can just be everyday chatter. What about times of fun, laughter, and joy? 
Did you know God's got a sense of humor? God's got a sense of humor. And it's okay to laugh with things with God, point things out, you know? See, a child who never laughs with their father never builds a healthy relationship with their father. And if you never laugh with God, you'll never build a healthy relationship with God. This is how much God's got a sense of humor. There was a guy called Balaam in the Bible who was, you know, not doing things that God wanted to do. So he got a donkey to speak to him. Like a donkey actually spoke. I could just imagine God like laughing, like his sides were splitting. Like, check this out. I'm going to use a donkey to speak to this guy. Who does that? See, God's got a sense of humor. And if you don't find funny times or laughter times or joyful times with God, you'll never develop that relationship with God. Then there's times of asking and requesting. There's times we come to God, like Jesus said, if you ask, you will receive. And we come to God and we say, God, like, I need this. You know, we're going through a hard time. I need this. Like, I need a new job, or I need you to intervene in my marriage, or help me raise my kids. And and there's certain times that we come to God and ask, and you know what? That is okay. It is okay to ask of God. And then there's times of just being close to each other. Some of my favorite times in the world are just sitting on the couch with my wife, just watching TV, just close to each other, but not saying anything. And for some, and there's been times with God in my relationship with God, when I've just sat there, not said a thing, I've just thought about God. And it's some of the sweetest times in my relationship with God. See, prayer isn't all about just coming and reciting a saying or coming with a request. Prayer is about communication with God, spending time with God. See, prayer isn't supposed to be difficult. God isn't interested in in, in you just coming in this religious way. God is interested in what you're interested in, and he wants to be part of your life. But God won't be part of your life unless you let him in. So that's what we say. But there's a third part of communication. And we'll close with this. It's how we hear. See, it's all very well coming and talking to God, saying, God, you know, can you do this for me? God, where are you? God, this, God, that. But unless we hear from God, then what's the point? If you've got a relationship with someone, it's just always one way. Eventually, you get bored and tired of that relationship. And some of you, your, your, your prayer life is fine because uh, you, you are talking to God. But the reason you may be struggling is because you're not hearing from God. And this is how we hear from God. It's very easy and simple. What the Bible says. I encourage people, read your Bible. Every day, even if it's just a verse, a chapter, if you want to read a whole book, go for it. But I find sometimes the smaller sections, smaller readings, God can really speak to me. And this is how I read my Bible. I read my Bible and I say, God, just speak to me through your words. And you know what happens? His words start to illuminate off the page and it will speak to you. And you start to hear from God. Also, a good way to hear from God is what others say. What others say. 
When you're having conversations about God, the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst. And if you start having spiritual conversations with people, then you'll start to find that God will start speaking to you. See, if we had a little bit more conversations about God instead of about football or about baseball or about the weather or about the beach or about, you know, what we're going to eat. If we had a little bit more conversations about the things of God, you'll start to find that God will start to speak to you a little bit more because God will come into that conversation and speak to you. Did you know this church was birthed out of a summer of conversations on my deck with my, a conversation between myself and my wife? In the summer of 2009, we sat there almost every summer, just started talking about God. And it was in that moment we just started feeling that God came in the midst and God started speaking to us about Generation Church and started Generation Church. And then the last way that you hear is this deep feeling inside your soul. So you feel it in your gut. You know that God is speaking. See, God has this unique way of touching your soul. You see, when God comes and saves you, he doesn't save your body. He saves your soul. And when God talks to you, God talks to your soul. And so often you have this moment where you feel this deep sense within your soul. So I ask you today, how's your prayer life going? How's your communication with God going? How's your relationship with God going? Are you talking to God enough? Are you hearing from God enough? You see, Jesus knew that it was only through a lifestyle of prayer, of constant communication with God, of this organic relationship that was forming with God, Jesus knew that was the only way that he could live this life and do what he needed to do, and that was to come and save your soul from sin. And if Jesus needed that, if Jesus understood that he needed to develop this relationship with God, then how much more do we need to develop our relationship with God? You see, God has got a plan for your life. And I believe God's plan is so great, it's so huge, but for you to live out that plan, you need to stay close to God. The Bible says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, and if we are not near God, then how is God going to order our steps? How is God going to lead us in the direction that he wants us to go if we are not close to God? And the way we get close to God is through communication with God, and we call that prayer. You know, if you want a healthy marriage, a godly healthy marriage, if you want to raise godly kids, if you want to stay on track in this life and be able to live this Christian life, if you want to make something better of yourself, then I believe that prayer is the key to it all. And so my challenge to you today is this. Some of you, you're struggling to pray. You're struggling to know what to say. You're struggling to stay attentive long enough to be able to communicate with God. Some of you, you're just struggling to hear from God. So my challenge to you today is over the next seven days, find a new way to pray. Find a new way to pray. Maybe for some of you, it means writing out your prayers. Just for the next seven days, write out your prayers. 
Spend 20 minutes just writing out your prayers. Maybe some of you, you need to set up some fake Facebook page. So it's like you're Facebooking God. Some of you, you need to text God. Some of you, you need to just come to God and you need to, instead of coming with these heavy prayers all the time, just start talking to God about everyday things. You know, on Wednesday morning, I was in Baltimore and I was down there and I was totally lost. My GPS kept taking me in circles. And I just started looking out of the window and I started just thanking God for the day. I started looking at the people going by and I just started praying like I would talk to you or talk to any of you. Started talking to God and asking God just to touch their lives and and speak to their lives and bring joy into their lives. You know, it's like in that moment, God just like filled that car that I was driving in. And it's like God's presence was just so intense and awesome. You know why? Because when you seek God, Jesus says, you will find him. And so for the next seven days, do something different. Maybe it's just getting on your knees for 15 minutes a day. Maybe it's, it's for 10 minutes a day, just raising your hands to God and, and not even saying anything. Maybe it's just sitting down and meditating on the things that, 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 that God has done in your life. But I believe that if you start to try to communicate with God, like you naturally communicate with others, that God will start to revolutionize your prayer life and your life will be like never the same again. Why? Because you'll be close to God and your relationship with God to start to develop. Let's bow our heads in prayer.